Counter the latest internet sensation. I can dance. It's certainly a, a step towards that closure um, and a very big step at that. If we keep heading down the path with the attitude, she'll be right, mate. Yeah, it's strange. The ribble wobble, ribble wobble, jelly on a plate. Weekend breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. Well done to Sydney. They defeated the Cats last night very easily. I've got to ask this question this morning. How does Geelong get flogged in a game where they had 32 extra inside 50s? I don't understand that, but the Swannies put it out of doubt basically in the opening quarter. They ended up kicking eight straight unanswered goals to just put that game out of reach. I mean, how about the form of those Swannies? It's ridiculous. That's Heston Bate, who is a Weston Bate, sorry, who is a historian down there in Brighton, who's decided to join us. The other big story yesterday, though, was Job Watson deciding that he would play on for the Bombers in season 2017, and he talked about his time in New York as a barista. And he was asked what the hardest challenge was working as a barista, and here's what he had to say: Almond milk is a nightmare to work here. So, <laughs> if anyone, no one, please, our baristas, we don't like working with almond milk. Almond milk. I don't know much about it, but we are very lucky to have a big member of the Triple M team with us this morning on the weekend breakfast from the hot breakfast. Good morning, Rosie. Hi, Seb. I you're, love an almond milk. You're an almond milk drinker? Yeah, I was a soy drinker. I haven't been able to drink milk when even when I was a kid, so I was soy, but turf that went for almond. It's got and a better flavour. I was doing some research. They now have macadamia milk. Oh. Cashew milk. Yes. Hemp milk. Hemp milk. Apparently, that's quite good for you. Apparently, it's yeah, a very, very hard to milk. <laughs> you, do, well, you do a lot of squeezing through a bag. It's it, not very pleasant. Is that what happens? Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know much about almond milk, so I've commissioned an investigative reporter good. to look into this, and he's going to tell us three things we need to know about almond milk. One, two, three. Here is the three things you need to know about with Channel 9's Peter Hitchner. Love having him as part of the show. Now, Hitchy, we sort of spoiled the surprise, but let's hear it in your own words. What is today's topic? Three things you need to know about almond milk. This is the greatest ad the almond milk industry has ever had. Alrighty. Hitchy, what's the first thing we need to know? Given that almonds don't have nipples, almond milk is created by adding finely ground nuts to filtered water. (laughs) I have been wondering that for so long. Whether almonds have nipples. They don't, Rosie. We've settled it. No, and I'm glad he said nipples and nuts in the one fact. <laughs> what's, what's the second thing we need to know, Hitch? 82% of the world's almonds are grown in California. 82% of almond milk drinkers have hipster beards and an impressive collection of woolly cardigans <laughs> and sensible shoes. Oh, well, that's very important. You need to have sensible shoes. The third and final thing that we need to know about almond milk from the great Peter Hitchener is... Almond milk sales grew 6.9% in Australia last year and cafes now offer almond milk cappuccinos, better known as Al Pacinos. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Champagne stuff. That was the three things you need to know with Peter Hitchener. We're working on a story off air that revolves around the bus of Bulldogs fans that's heading up to Sydney today. And if it's true, this is an extraordinary act of generosity. If you're on the bus and you're listening, give us a call, one triple three five three. We just want to clarify something because uh, we've been sent this online. Speaking of online, uh, some tweets here, Rosie, from Peter Mags. <laughs> he wants to know, is almond milk just a nicer way to say nut juice? Yes, Peter, I do believe that would be the case. I'm glad we settled that. All right, what's next? 
In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation, the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the Weekend Breakfast's Glittering Galaxy of Sport. And don't the kids love it? Okay, this game started in the soccer-mad United Kingdom, where anything with the round ball goes, and it's being imported into Australia. It's called Dart Ball, and the founder of it here in this country is Peter Asimakopoulos. Morning, Peter. Good morning. Hey, how are you? What's the Buffet's Guide to Dart Ball? <laughs> well, basically, uh, basically, Dart Ball's a giant uh, Velcro board, um, four metres by four metres, our first version, and it's pretty much... Uh, Pretty much played just like darts, but it's a hybrid that uh, includes soccer. If you actually kick a Velcro soccer ball and it sticks onto a dart board. How far back are you when you make the kick? Sorry? How far back are you when you make the kick? So depending depending on the age group and, and, and all that sort of stuff and the skill level, generally about four metres to four metres to eight metres behind. Um, generally, just like I said, it depends on the skill level. And what's the best tactic? Do you just boot it as hard as you can, or is it more of a kind of tuck the ball onto the toe and lob it towards the target? <laughs> well, look, when I kick it, I just boot it as hard as I can because I'm not the best kicker. <laughs> but uh, the, the better soccer players, they'll, uh, they'll put a bit of uh, finesse on it and try, to, and, and try to actually hit the bullseye. I'm looking at the photo, and it is literally a massive dartboard, as you would see at a pub, but times that by 20 or something. It says yeah. here that you're available to come out and do Bucks Days. Three or four hours into the Bucks Day, how many of the balls are actually hitting the target? <laughs> Look, after about one hour, you're probably not going to get too many. Hit the <laughs> they're, just, they're just happy to hit the board at that point. <laughs> I mean, fantastic. And you've done this with some of the A-League stars? Yeah, so uh, we've actually had uh, one of Sydney FC's um, Sydney FC's new signings, Bay Antonio. He uh, he did our promo video for us. Um, he came on, he hit the bullseyes a few times. We've got the got those videos on our website there, um, and it was quite popular after that. So, would you say the elite soccer player is it an advantage, or is it a bit of a leveler for those of us who are never going to play A League to maybe beat a pro? Well, you know what, it is a bit of a leveler because there is an element of luck involved. Doesn't matter how good you can kick it, you know, if you're, if you're lucky enough to to hit that sweet spot, you'll get that bullseye. Is there someone standing behind you to say 180? <laughs> well, that's the plan. Have a little bit of an MC and the big events. Uh. <laughs> Love it, mate. Well, people can check you out. Dartballaustralia at gmail dot com is your email address. Thank yeah, you for the chat. No problem, buddy. Thank you very much. Now, we were sent a tweet earlier this morning, and it seemed too good to be true, so we did some work off-air to try and confirm it. And I'm now convinced that this may well be one of the most thoughtful acts of gratitude from a football club that I've ever seen to their supporter base. It comes from the Western Bulldogs, and today there's the Bulldog bus, which is leaving Footscray to drive up to Sydney to support the Doggies in the preliminary final tonight against the Giants. And each of the fans on this bus have been given a letter, and we've been sent that letter this morning, and I'll read it. It says, Thank you for jumping on board the Bulldogs bus to cheer on our boys in Sydney. It's incredible to have so many of our members and supporters make the huge effort in getting on the bus and watch our boys play, and we're so grateful for the ongoing support you continue to show us. Letter from the Western Bulldogs to fans. 
And it goes on to say, as a small thank you for your efforts, we would like to pay for your breakfast this morning. The city of Wodonga have put on some great food vans, so get out, stretch the legs, and have a safe drive. See you guys at the game. Luke Beveridge, and inside the envelope with that letter is a $10 note for breakfast, Beautiful. Rosie. How good's that? Don't you hate that we first went to the cynical route and went, oh, no, I can't possibly <laughs> yeah, be it's true. It's just too nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well done, Bevo, and all in uh, the Western Bulldogs land. Isn't it incredible? Yeah, so we've since been able to get onto the dogs, and they say it's the least we could do for our fans. Which, uh, which I think is awesome. And good luck to the doggies today. Just to get a little bit of context around the sort of club that the Western Bulldogs are, we have on the line a friend of Triple M and the Western Bulldogs super fan. I'm going to go as far as to call him the Joffa of the Western Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, Danny McGinley. Morning, Seb. Morning, Rosie. Wow, the Joffa. Where's your cape? Mate, what do you make? I don't of know, that? but I've got my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, so what do you make of that? You're just hearing that now for the first time that the club's buying breakfast for everyone going to up to Sydney. I think it's amazing, but I, I've got to you know confess, as a inner city, uh, you know Melbourne sort, sort of guy, I'm going. Where do you get breakfast for ten bucks? <laughs> <laughs> get you half a coffee round. Wow. All right, let's all get in the car and go up to a donga. There's breakfast going cheap up there. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I, my Facebook uh, feed this morning is just chock a block with all the people jumping on the bus doing the road trip. Um, a bit, get ready for a lot of photos of the dog on the tucker box wearing bulldog <laughs> yes. gear. Yes, great idea. Down and, and uh, if, there is, um, if, there, if they're still in range, the dogs fans, uh, I recommend there's a, there's a great bakery in Holbrook <laughs> near the giant submarine. Yeah. Very good. You know, I went there on a road trip with my mum probably 15 years ago, and in front of the giant submarine is a replica of the submarine that's probably half, you know, <laughs> a tenth of the size. And me and mum went to look for the Holbrook submarine, saw the model, thought that's a bit disappointing, and drove off. <laughs> and, then, and then said to people for years after, this submarine, they make a big deal out of it. It's not very big. <laughs> Man, you, I hope there's no seafood restaurant in front of the guy. You're going to be devastated. <laughs> exactly. Now, mate, how are your nerves today with the dogs in another prelim final going for a chance at their first granny in 55 years? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is an emotional day. I've, I've, it's pretty much the first time in my two-year-old son Ted's entire life that I've woken up before him. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did, and this is this sounds. I, I genuinely woke up from a nightmare at, at just before six a.m. That at three-quarter time the dogs had kicked zero goals, fifty-nine behind. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's not good. And I, and I asked my son last night, "Who's going to win out of the cats and the swans?" He's two and a half, and he picked the swans. Ooh. However, this morning he has informed me he thinks the Giants will win. Oh, so no. it's not. I know, but this is the same kid who a week ago told me he didn't go for the Bulldogs anymore. He now supports the Dinosaurs. He <laughs> <laughs> was were, a fickle lad. But, uh, <laughs> they, they went the way of Fitzroy, didn't they? It's, uh, they did. Yeah. They did yeah, there you go. Well, mate, good luck. We wish you all the best. Uh, Danny McGinley, Melbourne comedian and Western Bulldogs super fans. All of Victoria is barracking for the Dogs tonight. Thank you very much. I think I'm just going to kill the time by bursting into buildings singing the Bulldog song, so I, I'm just going to wake up all of Melbourne. I think you should randomly do that at buildings around <laughs> Melbourne. Just burst in and sing Sons of the West. 
All right, done. All right. <laughs> My neighbours are about to get very annoyed. There you go. Danny McGinlay on Triple M. If you want to see the letter that uh, Luke Beveridge and the dogs sent out to uh, fans on this bus, you can check it out at my Twitter, at Seb Costello 9 or the Hot Breakfast Twitter, Rosie. And Facebook as well. So Hot. you can go at MM Hot Breakfast, or if you're on Facebook, the Hot Breakfast Facebook page, you know what to do. Just search for it. It'll come up. Ed's head will be there. <laughs> Just look for that. <laughs> Rosie, the UFC's coming back. Yes, to, to Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah, November 27, it'll be at Rod Laver Arena, and the headline act is a man by the name of Luke Rockholt, who is a Californian who was the middleweight champion mm-hmm. and then lost it to a guy named Michael Bisping. And so at the moment, Rockhold is trying to build himself back up to uh, where he might get another title shot. So uh-huh. this is an important fight for him. He's a Californian, as I said, uh, which means that he's a big San Francisco 49ers fan in the NFL, in uh-huh. American football. And uh, when I caught up with him in a room underneath Rod Laver Arena earlier this morning, uh, that's where the discussion started with uh, the gridiron. Well, good day. How Mate, are you? you're a big 49ers fan. I followed that last year. Jared Hayne, the season that promised so much and delivered so little. Uh, where are the Niners at at the moment? Nowhere <laughs> to be found. <laughs> I think the the only uh, headlines we'll be making will be Kaepernick kneeling and uh, doing his thing, seemingly. What do you make of that? What's your view? What, what's it about? Uh, it's not something you can comment on too much, but you know, I, I think it's distracting from the team, and I, I just don't think it's the right approach to take to to get where he's going. I think that's right. I mean, a lot of people understand you know the issues that he's trying to raise, but mate, um, look, look, let's talk uh, Australia. Yeah. Here in Melbourne, ahead of the fight in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Mate, I know as a California kid, you, you don't mind catching some waves. We've got some pretty good beaches down here. Jan Juck, the famous Bells Beach as well, where uh, Kelly Slater's done his thing many times. Yeah. Got plans to get out there. Kelly and, uh... Slater, I mean, you'd like to think more of like a Mick Fanning. So well, you're Kelly, mate. I know you, you guys got, are mates, you aren't got, you? you got you to represent your own people, right? <laughs> I mean, you want to make light of Mick's, Nick's done his thing at Bells Beach plenty of times, too. Yes, yeah. yeah. You're going to go down there yourself? Uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, I've been talking to Mick and, and, the, and our whole crew, and we might have a get the boys out and go venture over there after and have a, have a good time. Last time I spoke to you, Mick Fanning came up because it was around the whole J-Bay thing and I remember you saying that you'd spent some time in Vegas together. You, you've made, aren't you? Yeah, he's a good good, good guy and uh, we, have, we have our mutual, we have our, our uh, mobile charging company together. We all do grapes. So, uh, you know, I've met him through, we have a lot of mutual friends and hung out and he's a, he's a good, uh, good see. <laughs> yeah. Family friendly, I get it. He's got yeah. a beer out at the moment. Have you tried his beer? Uh, Balter, I, I haven't actually had a chance to try it, but I'm sure I will soon enough here now that I'm over. Yeah, once the fight camp finishes, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so, mate, um, uh, also, let's have a look at the event itself. Headline Act, this is a chance for you to get right back into that title picture to where I'm sure you would say you deserve to be as a former champion. Uh, that's, that's the plan here. Spell it out for us. Where do you go after this uh, fight night? There's only one way to go, and that's back back for my gold. This is uh, this is a statement fight. This is the fight. This is the best fight I could get right now. Uh, I think the biggest fight, and uh, I go out there and put Jock Ray away. There's nothing else to be said. Uh, I, I want my title shot. Spisping need to be worried. I want my gold. As being as being as a formality at that point. So what went wrong? Mindset. You know, I I, I completely disregarded my my opponent, and. <coughs> I went out there and with, with no nerves and no respect, and uh, you know I, I got caught. And I guess you know a blind squirrel finds a nut from time to time. Uh, it was a uh, rare occurrence, and and I go out there and I fight smart. <coughs> the man doesn't have a chance in the world. Did I hear you say before your mom's a big tennis fan? My mom was a uh, a tennis player for for my whole life, and so uh, she's a tennis teacher and 
and uh, always been involved in that that world. So uh, I've, I've paid attention to the game and I've played a little bit in my, back in my day. Is she excited to hear that you're fighting at Rod Laver Arena, the home of the Australian Open? No, of course. You know, my mom. My mom's always chasing this tennis world around and, and still very involved. You know, she, she's I believe she's still a four zero at this point. So. Uh, uh, she's excited. She'll be excited to come out. She's always excited to come travel and, and chase me everywhere. There'll be a few ladies around Melbourne wanting to know whether there's a uh, significant other in the Rockhold world at the moment. We uh, read a few rumours here and there of some big names. What's going on there? Uh, there could be options, you know. There could, there could be something going on. <laughs> Very good. And what can people expect? Yeah, that, exactly. He showed me his hand to say, look, it's uh, not a done deal. Um, mate, uh, what can people expect if they get down here to Rod Laver Arena uh, come, uh, come the big UFC fight night? You can expect a fireworks. You can expect a show. You can expect Jock Ray to get put away. You know, Jock Ray the alligator. I think you guys have enough reptilians here in the country. And, uh, you know, before this one tries to introduce itself, I'm, I'm going to extinct, make him extinct and put him away. So, uh, you know, we have, if you've seen our last fight, me and Jock Ray, we, we, we fight. We both come with it. Uh, we had a war um, this time. It's time for me to put him away, send him home. We look forward to watching it. Thanks for joining us on Triple M. Thank you very much. I'll see you then, November 27th. He's talking about the UFC fight night at Rod Laver Arena, and that is Luke Rockhold, who was once the middleweight champion. He is now a middleweight contender looking to get back into the title picture, Rosie. A cool. blind squirrel catches a nut from time to time. Yes, they do. Uh, do they make that into milk, though? <laughs> That's a good point. Acorn milk. We should look into that. <laughs> A really happy day for football supporters in general yesterday with Joe Watson announcing that he intends to play on in 2017. But it's an incredibly happy day, of course, for the CEO of the Essendon Football Club who joins us. Good morning, Xavier Campbell. Good morning, Sam. Mate, it's been a tough couple of years, but yesterday the smile on Job's face was massive. How big was the smile on your face? Yeah, it was similar. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's great to have him coming back to play football, but I certainly you could see in that press conference um, the happiness in his position and obviously where he's got to after you know, a really, obviously, challenging period. Did it get to the point where the club had to say to Job, you need to want this? Oh, we'd always said to him that, you know, we want you, we would love for you to come back, but we also want you to be in a, in a frame of mind where, you feel it's the right thing for you. We want, don't want you to feel forced into coming back to the football club because of unfinished business or anything else like that. We, we want you because you've got the passion and you feel at ease with um, where everything is at. Prior to the announcement, when was the last discussion you had with him and, and did you leave that conversation having uh, had the decision communicated to you? He sent me a, a nice text about a minute before he sent his tweet, which was sort of clear what he was it was still a little bit cryptic, but it was pretty clear he, he was at ease now and he was going to make the decision that I probably thought he was going to make. Um, uh, he came, I caught up with him late last week, uh, middle of last week, sorry, on Wednesday. We spent a lot of time together talking in part about football, clearly, but also about a whole range of other things. And it wasn't clear to me what decision he was going to make after that catch-up, and nor was I really trying to push for a decision at that point in time. And one thing that we've been really stressing and one thing that we made almost a non-negotiable from our side was we didn't want to put pressure on any of these players um, to make a decision within a certain period of time. Well, but uh, certainly very exciting. Do you think he will be captain for season 2017? No, I'm not sure, and, and I say that honestly because that's a, it's something that's... Um, 
there is a normal process you go through to firstly select your leadership group and secondly to select a captain and um, that is the same every single year. That will be something that um, they'll do and it's, it's sort of a January, February type thing and I think that gives an appropriate amount of time for everyone to come back into the football club. Have you ever tried almond milk in a coffee? Uh, I haven't because I, I understand for baristas it's a very difficult one to work <laughs> You're a very caring man. I uh, I can tell that from that answer. Yeah, Joe uh, mentioning that he found it very difficult working with almond milk at the New York Cafe. Have you ever had a coffee made by Joe? Not yet. No? Uh, it's funny when he came over for dinner last week. I, I did think about doing it and challenging him <laughs> to use my my machine, but the fact was I actually know it myself, so it was a bit of a something I didn't think I should do. So um, he did mention at the time that. Almond, almond milk's a real bugger to work with. Are you rolling the full espresso set up at home? <laughs> not really. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not the greatest quality machine. <laughs> <laughs> Magnificent. Xavier Campbell, thanks for talking to us on Triple M. Thanks, Seb. Now let's take a look at last night's game, which was the Sydney Swans who just came out and booted eight straight unanswered goals to basically kill the contest in the early minutes of the second quarter. They ended up winning by 37 points. Now, we'll talk about this later with Jude Bolton. We're going to talk to BT as well, what it means for the future of those Geelong champions like Jimmy Bartell and also Corey Enright. But let's start with the coach, Chris Scott, because last night it was just Sydney's tackling and that Sydney pressure that forced the contest and really took Geelong out of it. And after the game, Chris Scott, the coach of Geelong, was asked whether that pressure ambushed his side. Well, when you say ambush, what do you mean? Like, Do you think we weren't ready for it? Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're yeah, we didn't think, oh, geez, they, um, gee, they tackled hard and they were good around the ball. They just were, you know, that um, we, we didn't stand up to it, but um, ambush suggests that you're not ready for it, and that wasn't the case. Were they harder than you guys done? What, what do you mean by that? Can you be more specific about harder? Harder at the ball. I reckon that's something that people tend to go to when they're not really sure exactly what's going on. They were a lot cleaner around the contest than we were. They tackled really well. If that equates to hardness, then yes. Chris Scott there talking about Geelong's effort last night and Sydney just had some amazing performers. The physicality Lance Franklin threw into that first term was just exciting to watch. Got you off the couch. There was that one, he looked a bit like he'd been injured maybe and he's limping around. Then the next contest comes along. Cowan from Geelong goes at Buddy around the Sydney forward 50 and Buddy just crunches him off the contest and wheels around and sets up another Sydney score. Amazing. Also uh, Mitchell from Sydney. His ability to find his way through traffic and find an option. I tell you what, if he goes to Hawthorne next year, as we expect to, that's just a gift for Hawthorne supporters. Rosie's along for the ride this morning. Hello. Do you ever go uh, down to the auctions on a Saturday, Rosie, and watch what's going on around property in Melbourne? Uh, no, not generally. Mm. No. Well, there might be one that could well be in your price range. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I'll read from the Herald Sun today. <laughs> Is it a fake house? Yeah, uh, well, this one apparently exists uh, at Nine Towers Road in Turak. So oh, okay. you're coming in uh, on the Monash, on CityLink, near where the Burnley Street uh, exit is, well. on the other side near St George's Road. There's a, a place that costs $22 million to build, uh-huh. and they reckon it's going to be sold as part of a $50 million property portfolio. Let me try this on you. Four bedrooms, each with en suite, yep. uh, large sitting and formal dining room, mm-hmm. Brazilian stone kitchen. I beg your pardon? Uh, and a marble preparation kitchen. So okay. they're separate kitchens. Oh, right. You need okay. two. Uh, gym library, media room, wine lounge retreat, six-car garage, and an art gallery. 
does the art come with it, or do you have to put your? <laughs> well, own I'd want to know this before I put painting. in a, exactly before yeah. I put in a bid. I want yeah, to know yeah. whether the art gallery is empty or not. Yes, uh, we've also got a north-facing landscape garden nice. with a pool and cabana. Oh, cabana! Mm. Mm. So there you go. Maybe sounds, uh, sounds perfect. I'll have two. <laughs> That's it. Look out for that one. Twenty-two million dollars to build fifty mil to sell as part of the portfolio. You know what? There's one man I'm very interested in his opinion on, uh, the uh, historian down at Brighton, Western Bait. Uh, what do you make of a house that has two kitchens? It's ridiculous. Let's laugh. I mean, how on earth could they have come up with such an idea? It's a really, really good point, Mr. Bait, and I wish you well down there with uh, the development of the Life Saving Club down yes. there at Brighton. We need to get some sensibleness into that. And the countdown has begun to the preliminary final between the Giants and the Western Bulldogs tonight. But let's take a look back at last night's game where the Swans won through to a grand final. And some of us are blessed with the ability to predict the future. Have a listen to this from last week's program from Jude Bolton. I think it could be a, uh, a big chance of uh, from a, der- a Sydney Derby grand final. He's half right and he's on the line now. Morning, Jude. Morning, Sam. How are you, mate? Oh, it's, it's, it's no no good being just half right, is it? <laughs> well, mate, it, it was a good pick. You said the Swannies. And, mate, uh, when I watched you as, as a football lover, I don't think I've seen a more irrepressible tackler. In a way, you're the godfather of the Sydney pressure, and they showed it last night, didn't they? Yeah, I, I think their uh, their ability um, to just put enormous heat on the on the cats from the get go was was pivotal in the game, to be honest. And I I, I guess that's what led to a seven goal start. And uh, um, yeah, I was quite bullish about the Swans' prospects against the Cats. I felt that I was probably more nervous for those guys uh, up against the uh, against the Crows to, with their firepower inside forward fifty. So um, yeah, they were really impressive, and um, certainly some of those young guys had had a bit more exposure on the MCG, which is so important for Grand Final day. Yeah, a bloke like Papley bobbing up with goals week after week in finals, and it was also the stars that stood up. You look at that opening seven goal quarter. Tippett had a pair, Parker had a pair, and Franklin was into everything. Yeah, exactly right. You, you need your best players playing well, but um, but certainly on those uh, on big games, you still need, uh, I guess, a depth of your list. And yeah, I felt uh, some of the young guys really really stood up. You mentioned Papley. Um, you know, I thought Isaac Heaney uh, in his second year was uh, was just terrific as well. And um, you know, guys like Dane Rampey as well, another another rookie list elevation who who was uh, was terrific. It was one of the most phenomenal things I've seen this year was when Geelong's shot comes in on goal, Rampey rises above a pack on the line, and there's about three inches of fist over the line that punches the ball back into play and stops a Geelong score. Yeah, oh, he's he's such an athletic beast. He's um, I mean, he's not overly tall, but um, but he can play on talls and small seven. He's um. Uh, he's got a huge tank, so he can go with um, some of the big uh, key forwards who like to run them, take them up the ground. But, um, uh, yeah, he's got that ability to just to leap early. So, no, he's had a super year, and that's why he's been All-Australian this year. To judge the ball like that is uh, phenomenal. Before we move on to tonight's game, you would have seen uh, the injury to Alira Lear, spent a yep. fair bit of time off the ground with some ice on his right knee. What do you make of that and his prospects for coming back in a grand final? Yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a medial from the from the get go, and and um, yeah, they're obviously you lose a little bit of uh, stability when you have a medial injury. Um, you can play with them if you strap them up really heavily. Uh, it's touch and go for him to to make that. We'll see. Um, it's they've got some they've got some real injury worries. Obviously, Jared McVeigh's uh, likely to come back in, and you know they might have to roll the dice with a, with a Callum Mills as well, but. The guys who stepped in, I thought Zach Jones was terrific. He had yeah. 721 uh, metres gain and leading on the ground. And 
Um, yeah, so it's going to be it's always tough decisions in grand finals, and uh, but they look pretty matter of fact about it after the game uh, in terms of John Longmire and. They'll make that decision during the week. We're talking to Jude Bolton on Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello. Mate, let's have a look at tonight. You picked mm. the potential of a Sydney, all-Sydney grand final last week. It's the Giants and the Dogs at Spotless. Who are you tipping? Well, I'm tipping the Giants, but uh, I mean, the, the, obviously the bye is, is taking its toll on those, uh, those teams. They're coming in, um, you know, a little bit, uh, I guess, soft in terms of the underbelly, and that's what happened last night, and... Um, you know, so the dogs would give them every give themselves every chance. Their their team defence has been enormous this year, and um, they they rolled the dice in the first week and brought five players back in for the uh, for the first final, and it, it came up trumps. But I think uh, you know, for those long suffering doggies fans, we we hope I guess that uh, that they get it done. But I'm tipping the Giants. I think there you go, Jude Bolton, Channel Seven, Triple M. He's everywhere at Jude underscore Bolton. His Twitter. Thanks for talking to us, mate. Cheers, Seb. Have a good one, mate. The end of Sydney's victory over the Cats last night, there was a very difficult scene to watch. And it was Corey Enright as he walked from the ground. He could tell he was really emotional. He had his jumper up around his mouth. And you're just thinking in the back of your mind, does that mean that this is the last time we'll see Corey Enright playing for Geelong at AFL level? And the same, I guess, goes for Jimmy Bartell too, whose future is up in the air. The coach of the Cats, Chris Scott, was asked about whether he had any information yet on the future of those two champions after the game. Here was his response. I'm not going to address any of that tonight. That, that would be inappropriate. I understand that you need to speculate, but I don't. Chris Scott there talking about the future of Corey Enright and Jimmy Bartell. Joining us for a bit more footy expertise is the Hawthorne Premiership player himself. Morning, Campbell Brown. Oh, oh we've lost Brownie. At his the llama moment. must have um, <laughs> disconnected right? the phone. Is that what happened just there? That's <laughs> yes. fantastic. Or his Shetland pony. Well, we'll get Brownie back up on the line and talk <laughs> a little bit of footy. Either that or he just didn't want to answer the question about Jimmy Bartell Tough and questions. Corey Enright. Exactly. <laughs> right off the top. Uh, he might be back now. Brownie, are you there, mate? Ed, how are you, mate? mate? Very good. What happened? The llama get the telephone call. <laughs> yeah, it just dropped out on me all of a sudden. <laughs> mate, um, what did you make of that? Uh, do you think you, you played against Bartel and Enright in uh, a famous... It's gone again. It's gone again. I'll tell you, you what, let's it. let's hit a song and we'll come back and uh, try and get Brownie on the line. Brownie, we were talking about Corey Enright, who was seen walking from the ground last night in tears. Jimmy Bartell as well. His future is up in the air. You played a grand final against those two players. Do you think they'll play on next year? To my eye, it looked like uh, it was a farewell. Um, you don't really get that emotional. Just uh, I know you you got high hopes leading into a preliminary final, but the boys had been there before. They've won premierships, and and so when I saw Boris uh, so crying as he as he walked off, that to me looked like a guy that was doing it for the last time. It does make you wonder whether Chris Scott has watched what happened to Brad Scott at North Melbourne with Boomer and maybe that decision has been made and they've decided let's keep this under wraps until our final series ends rather than be a distraction as it kind of was for North. Every club uh, handles those things a little bit differently. Um, I didn't agree with the way the Kangaroos went about it. I I thought there was no need to publicly announce it two weeks out before a final series. So um, if Geelong have decided to to uh, keep it in-house. I think the more things kept in-house, the better. Uh, understand we're in the media ourselves. We want to know and everyone has a insatiable appetite for these sort of things. But, um, yeah, the, those sort of matters amongst players, and, and they're pretty private guys as well, uh, Bartell and Enright. So we'll just see how it plays out. But 
um, been outstanding servants of the club and and you know those guys played really well last night when um, the majority of their teammates didn't. Mate, let's take a look at the game tonight. The Giants and the Dogs. As a bloke in yourself who was a tough player, one of the hardest players we've seen in recent memory, do you get excited watching the way Shane Mumford just crashes through bodies? <laughs> you can't help but not get excited. He <laughs> plays the way it should be played. That's how you want your ruckman to play. They're such big men. They, they set the tone physically. Um, it's great to have an athletic ruckman that can run all day and he's great tap work and things like that. But I think nothing inspires your teammates and sets the tone more physically than, than an imposing ruckman that likes to hit bodies and, and follows up with his, his, his tackling that he does so well. So um, he's put on some, some of the great hits this year, hasn't he? Oh, mate, he is a complete battering ram. Have the doggies got a chance? I've given I give them a big chance. Yeah, um, we we just saw the sort of intensity and effort last night from the Swans that it, it caught you know Geelong on the back foot a little bit and and that swarming pack mentality is what the doggies bring to the table every week. Well, mate, thanks for joining us. That was Campbell Brown and he'll be on the VFL TV coverage too tomorrow. Doggies and the Casey Scorpions. Rosie, what was the yes, bet that... What are you giggling at? You. Uh, fair enough. What was the bet that um, Das made around the dogs making the grand final? Oh, well, it's not official, but the Western Bulldogs are pretty much guaranteeing that if they win the grand final, that he will be dancing with Woofer on the ground. How good's that? Yeah. Well, he's not the only one who's made a strange bet, and uh, it didn't go so well for this guy. There's a US sports talk show host called Brendan Tobin mm. in the Bay Area of San Francisco. And before the season, he said to his listeners that he would literally eat crow if a baseball player called Christian Yelich hit his 20th homer of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, surprise, surprise, Yelich or Yelich, I'm not sure you pronounce it, has done it. He's hit his 20th. And uh, Tobin has told the Bay Area News Group, I'm a man of my word. I'm not running from it. I'm going to sit down, tuck a napkin under my shirt and eat every single piece of crow. <gasps> How's reckon, he going to cook it? I don't, well, I, I want to know. We have to find out. What do you reckon crow tastes like? Chicken. Yeah, probably. I do hope, though, that uh, you know maybe he skips breakfast, Rosie, because mm. to eat crow, he's going to need to be ravenous. What? I'm going to a song. <laughs> that was all right. Ravenous. Yeah, it was ravenous. all right. I get Hungry. it. I get it. Cam's gone uh, on Twitter, at Seb Costello 9. That's why you're a journalist, not a comedian. Cue Graham Kennedy's crow call. <laughs> Yeah, cool, Cam. Thank you, Rosie. Look, let's get to something I do know a little bit about, <laughs> which is football. Ready. A bounce, a right banana. The biggest high-fly act you've ever seen in your life. Hey. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. Fire. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman <laughs> and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missing. Take your flags and stick them you know where. <laughs> Yes, and he joins us as he does in his regular spot. Morning, BT. Morning, Seb. How are you? How does a side have 32 more inside 50s and still get flogged in Geelong? Yeah, I don't know. Um, perhaps by being a bit softer. Um, they, they, they were completely outplayed when it came to the physicality of the footy. Um, there were guys in that Geelong side, and that was always the question mark on them. You know, I, I mentioned to a couple of people in the weeks leading up to this that they are still very capable of playing really ordinary footage along. They're certainly not back to where they were a few years ago when they were very reliable and dependable. They've got a few very, very windy players. They had no ground-level forwards. That's probably one of the reasons why they didn't kick goals with so many entries. They just didn't have a... You know, I mean, Stephen Motlop 
played a shocker last night. Um, uh, he never got absolutely near it. They didn't have any ground-level forwards, didn't have any goals come from their ground-level forwards at all. So they got absolutely smashed because they were softer. Some important misses by Tom Hawkins too. Big forwards is, uh, is your area of expertise. Is he doing enough? Um, he looks to me like, and I've heard, I listened to Wayne Carey on Tom Hawkins, and, uh, and uh, you know, I think he needs to, the footy's gone up a notch in the last couple of years. And I think two or three years ago, he was very, very important as a big man and as solid as he is. I just think he needs to become a little bit more athletic. And, you know, whether that's dropping a few kilos to fit in with the way the game's played today, I'm not sure. But uh, it was uh, it was interesting. His game was interesting. I still think he's got plenty to offer, but uh, perhaps he, he needs to trim up a bit. The midfield at Sydney is incredible with your Kennedys, your Hanabries, your Kieran Jacks. But, Brian, I watched Tom Mitchell last night. If he goes to Hawthorne, I reckon that just about makes a mockery of the system. He is an incredible emerging talent. Yeah, and just got such composure. There was one particular sh- shot said last night where he was surrounded by six or seven Geelong players and managed to hang on to the ball, evade them all, and then shoot the handball through a very, very thin gap. Uh, he's an incredible player. If he and Jager O'Meara end up at Hawthorne, then uh, either they've got an incredible recruiting uh, department, which they have led by Graham Wright, or something's wrong with the system. But uh, how that can happen, I don't know. I guess it's called money. Matt, are you off to get a little bit of uh, a hair trim? I'm here at the Y Salon. Now, uh, we're about to have a bit of a trim with mm. the hairdresser, Nick. Um, it's going to set me back about 180, 190. Don't tell anyone, Seb, but uh, <laughs> apparently it's a pretty good salon. <laughs> well, Brian, I had a haircut this week, and I yeah. think all in all it's gone down pretty well. So if you just want to go for something modern, Jake Gillenhall style from the GQ, go short on the sides with a big wave over the top. No, we won't be doing that, uh, Seb, but what we will be doing is getting the stock standard haircut that I've had for the last 35 years, slight trim on the moustache, um, and no colour will be added, uh, despite the speculation every time I have a haircut. Does he have to get out the Husqvarna chainsaw to go after that moustache? Yes, he does. The uh, husky is uh, required when trimming my moustache. He's pretty bushy, and uh, there's nothing better than a Husqvarna uh, chainsaw, I said. And yes. that lawnmower, motorbike, you name it, they've got it. They do it all, Bristol. Have a fantastic weekend. Good on you, Seb. Rosie, we were talking before the break about the US sports talk uh, back host who yes. has to eat crow because of a bet. He's ravenous. Andrew Patterson has gone with, you'd have to be pretty peckish to eat crow. <laughs> it's not bad. Getting the puns going at Seb Costello 9. Now, as we are contractually obliged to do. These two stars do not come into the studio unless that music is played. I speak of Channel 9's Jade Vincent and Channel 10 Chanel Vella. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. What a week we've had, eh? Where do we start? What was the biggest story of this week? Well, I'm thinking there was no bigger story mm. in the papers, <laughs> confidential, bigger than Brangelina split. Oh, okay. Than Seb Costello's hair. Well, I, now, is it that bad? It's not. No, no, no. I'm jealous. Just... <laughs> I get $300 haircuts and, you know, dye and everything. Mm. And your, how much was this due? Uh, well, it was uh, $40, I think I paid. Wow. But it was one of those places where it is the male barber shop so you can have your beer and you sit there and nice. I think Mick Malloy pointed out earlier in the week that maybe he thought the barber had been taking all the beer for himself, which was unkind, Rosie. 
you piled on as well this week. Had to. It's part of my job. <laughs> I had to. Were you Turn expecting this reaction? That uh, there was a bit of banter about the newsroom. Well, is there a Twitter account yet? <laughs> Seb Costello's hair. You've, you have upped the ante on your social media this week too. Well, yeah, we've, we're just trying to go in a certain direction. Life can be quite unexpected though, and I found out during the week that you were involved in a very unexpected moment that got pretty famous online. It's true. This is Chanel from Channel 10 I'm talking to, who around the time Campbell Brown uh, was released by the Gold Coast, you had to go around to his dad's uh, Mel's place. That's right. To do a door knock, as we call it in the in the industry. Now, it was a, um, I'd already done a story. I was a young, keen television journalist. I was probably my first couple of months on the road and I got sent out and told, go do this door knock. So off I went. To the brown house, <laughs> bright-eyed, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And oh, can I just add this part of the story? Yeah. I did knock on the door, politely asked if he was home and if we could have a chat. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Brown said, sure, he's just gone to the doctors. He'll be back soon. I thought, great. <laughs> so I waited and waited and then, yeah, the wild world of sports number one uh, pick for 2013, <laughs> I think it ended up being. Well, here's what happened next. And you can see this online. I hope we've... Edited this with a few uh, beeps, but here is Mal Brown's response to Chanel Vella. Sure, we just wanted to ask you if you've spoken to your son at all. No, I haven't. And can you go and get and get out of my life and out of my property and ring up and make a time like every other does has got any manners, okay? Thank you. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my life. Yeah. And I wasn't on his property. Can I just put that out there? I wasn't on his property. I was absolutely mortified. And I had one of those moments where I was literally dancing on hot coals. I didn't know what to do. And I ran down the driveway where Nathan Templeton from Channel 7 was waiting for me. And he said, did you get him? And I went, I think so. I don't know what just happened. I'd never heard that part of the story that lovely Mrs. Brown said, you just wait here, dear. Malcolm will come out and talk to you. And then that happened. She said, Malcolm had just gone to the doctor. Really? And this is all going to go very I smoothly. I thought we were just going to have a lovely chat, maybe something in the second break of the news, and then that happened. I love it. Life can be so unexpected. You know, things can happen that you weren't really predicting, and that was certainly one of those days. Absolutely. Sons of the West. <laughs> We come out snarling. I love it. Oh, this is Triple M. Hey, it is Danny McGinley, the Bulldog superfan, who said he was spending the whole morning running into random buildings and singing this, Rosie. Yes! What a beautiful song! Sons of the Scrape. Sons of the Scrape. AFL Grand Final tomorrow. Don't forget that. White and blue. Come on, you all know the way. Everybody! We come out I don't know what to do. I don't know the way. Bulldogs through and through. What are we saying? Bulldogs fight. Yes. Bulldogs roar. We are the very best. Oh, he liked it. He's changed it up. He's not even in time anymore. The team of the mighty west. Oh, I love it. Sorry, ladies. This is Daddy McGidley who has wanted to invade everybody. And maybe, do you know what, Danny? Charnel doesn't have an official football team. There's plenty of room on this bandwagon, Charnel. There's plenty of room. I don't know if I can do that, though. Can you just jump on? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you can. By the power invested in me by the Footscray Football Club. (laughs) 
You are now a glory hunter and you are very welcome. Welcome Thank aboard you. the bandwagon. You're obviously sporting some Bulldogs pride today, oh. Jade Vincent. you got a blue hey, blazer on. You know on. I'm a bummer at heart. Oh, it's closer to the west. You're very welcome. We're not far. Yeah, Cramery's back at training. That's right. We, we probably share the same car dealers out there in the yeah, west. Yeah. And that's great. And you know, it's all sort of the same. Mate, it's going to be a fantastic day. Sorry, guys. Speaking of the unexpected. No. How's yeah. the great man coming in? So thank unexpected, you. but I've loved it. Oh, thank you. People are loving you <laughs> at and the you, you didn't abuse us, so we're off to yeah. a good start. No, no, that's the when, when when you've got as little fans as the Bulldogs do, you uh <laughs> you, you don't make enemies. It's such a strong voice right now. But oh, how's it going to go after? Oh God, it, it, gonna... it'll be terrible. Don't yeah, yeah, don't no phone interviews. Just talking to Eddie and Mick. If you want to talk to me on Monday, <laughs> it'll be a good day, guys. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Well, look, I think all the Victorias on the doggies today, and that's probably yeah. a good point to. Finish it. Chanel Vela, Channel 10. Jade Vincent, Channel 9. Danny McGinley, The World. Channel (laughs) (laughs) 31. Rosie, let's go out with the Sons of the West one last time because Brad Johnson and Doug Hawkins is coming up on the Dead Set Legends. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello at 6 to 9. Go, doggies. Oh, yeah. Triple M's weekend breakfast host Seb Costello is a mad keen green thumb. Gets all his gardening equipment same place as the pros. Husqvarna, ready when you are.